0: I don't know him
1: has been found?
2: <laughs> what has been defeated? What has been forgiven? What was once dead has new life. What was once old has been made new. What was once finite has been made eternal. May we remember
3: You guys ready to worship the Lord? Hey, come on, let's stand to our feet and put our hands together as we celebrate his resurrection. Amen.
1: That's your people, we won't be signing, we're gonna shout about No matter what the world could ever
4: make some noise for the Lord this morning amen how many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord amen we are excited that you're here I want to read a quick scripture to you it's found in Acts chapter 2 verse 22 and it says fellow Israelites listen to this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But I want, you to, I want you to hear this, and it says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. How many people believe that this morning? Amen. We serve a risen God. He's not in a manger. He's not in a tomb, but he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for us, and he deserves our worship this morning. Let's say a, let's say a quick prayer. So, Lord, we lift you up. God, we say that you're worthy. Lord, we say that, that we are redeemed in you, that we are set free in you, and right now in this moment, we lift up our hearts to you. God, we say that this service is for you. We say that this worship is for you, Lord. We love you, and we say that you are awesome in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen.
3: say that.
5: i No power of hell, no scheme of man
1: Can ever love me from his hand
5: Till he returns or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I will stand
0: Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that by the power of the cross, we have resurrection life. I want to welcome you today. And we're going to, in the middle of our worship time, have a prayer time for anything that you need prayer for. We're going to call up our prayer team. And if you would like to have prayer for healing in your body, prayer for your family, your marriage, for your finances, whatever it is, we invite you for it but I especially want to talk to some of you that are here today. I was reminded of the scripture this weekend about the disciples on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday morning. They were walking along a road downcast. They were discouraged, they were hopeless because what they thought was gonna happen, the dream that they had had died and they thought it was buried in the tomb. And little did they realize that walking alongside of them was Jesus. Their dream was resurrected. And this is the word of the Lord to you today. God says some of you have had dreams that have died. Some of you have had hopes that seem to be hopeless now. Discouragement has tried to set in. And you thought we just need to give up and quit. But this is the word of the Lord to you. Jesus has resurrected. He is walking right along beside you. And today he wants to give you hope that he can breathe life into hopeless situations. So our prayer team is down here at the front. Whatever you have need of, we'd like to pray with you. But especially if you feel like you've had a dream that's died, you feel hopeless, let us pray with you today so that you will know where Jesus is and what he has to say about that situation. God bless you as we continue to worship. Oh, how I need
1: your grace More than my words can say Jesus I come Jesus I come In our Sing that with me. Say, thank you, Jesus, just as I am. I come, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh, what amazing. Come on, let's sing it again. We say, thank Desire I believe in the...
4: To your seats this morning. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today.
0: In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in.
4: Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities.
0: If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. Drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect room, where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe.
4: We're so glad you're here, and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock.
2: Here at Church on the Rock, we believe God made everyone unique and one of a kind. When we say there's a place for you here, we don't mean an exact puzzle piece shape for you to squeeze into. We mean there's a place for you and your family to connect with God, friends, ministry, and the world to become the best you. We offer equipped classes, Wednesdays and Sundays, to help you to learn and grow closer to God, as well as life groups that range from cars, to crochet, to street hockey, so you can grow, laugh, and serve with friends. Our Kids Zone program for children six weeks through sixth grade is filled with fun, laughter, and the presence of God. Velocity, our junior high ministry for 6th through 8th graders growing in their relationship with God and fellowshipping with students their own age. Powerhouse, our junior high and high school ministry for 7th grade through 12th grade students is a place to connect with God in an exciting atmosphere. The Connection, a college age and 20s ministry that provides an opportunity to live life together with other young adults. We are committed to supporting missions all around the world, nationally, and international, and our heart is to continuously give back to our community through local outreaches. No matter who you are, we want you to know there is always a place for you and your family at Church on the Rock. Wednesday All-Family Night is this Wednesday, March 30th. We won't be having small groups or classes, but we have a free hamburger meal from 515 to 615, testimonies, baptisms, and kids' giveaways. Join your church family as we celebrate a great Easter weekend.
3: Amen. Can we give God some praise this morning? Are you happy to be here on Easter Sunday? Man, you're looking good. We are so glad that you're here. We have a lot of happenings going on, and I want to draw your attention to one that's happening this Wednesday night. It's our family night. Say family night. And what that means is our kids, our youth, all of our small groups are going to be in here from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And we're going to have just a great time with testimonies. We're going to have people from all different ages sharing testimonies. We're going to have baptisms. It's going to be amazing. And if you've never been baptized, listen, you can get baptized Uh, this coming Wednesday, right? What do they need to bring?
6: Amen. If you'll just show up with some dark clothes and a towel, and for the class at 6 o'clock upstairs, uh, we'll get you all ready to go. I mean, just picture... I mean, just if you've never been baptized, maybe I was sprinkled when I was a child or you maybe as a teenager because your parents wanted you. but you need to do it when you have an understanding of what that means to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ.
3: Amen. Also to kick that night off at 515 to 615, we're having a free hamburger meal. Say free. Free hamburger. Free hamburgers at 515 next Wednesday. Come also right after service. We encourage you to stay around for a few minutes, get a drink, take a picture outside and just get to know somebody. Amen.
6: Hey, there's Amen. snacks out there, Travis. There's snacks.
3: Eat some snacks.
6: Amen. You know, we're going to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. But if you're fairly new to our church, or especially this weekend, stop by the Connect Room just on the other side of the doors. we got a free gift for you, and just they'll tell you a little more about our church. But have you ever thought, what would life be like if Christ had not risen from the grave? I mean, if He didn't rise from the grave, then we have no hope. I mean, why are we even here this weekend if the resurrection was a myth? But here's what Paul said to the church in Corinth in the 15th chapter. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But then he goes on to say, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So Paul offers himself up as a testimony of one who first said, Hey, this guy is a phony or whatever, and then his life was changed, and he saw the resurrected Lord Jesus. You know, you can argue philosophy and religion, but it's hard to argue a changed life. Is there any changed lives out there? I mean, he can change your life. But he concludes the chapter by saying, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, as you're preparing an offering, I want you to know that your giving here at this church is not in vain. Matter of fact, we're actively working in our community to serve our community and serve the Lord. And through your faithful tithes and offerings, we're getting the message that Jesus is still alive, not just in this community, but literally around the world. And we're committed here at Church and Rock to give ourselves fully. the work of the Lord. And not only great ministries in this house with our nurseries and children and youth and our 20s, but locally we do a lot of things. We have Sidewalk Sunday School where we go to the projects and apartment complexes, taking it to little kids. There's a place called Rahab's Retreat only an hour from here, helping young ladies get out of sex trafficking. And we're part of that ministry, helping people do laundry and do ministry there. Uh, Furnished by faith, furnishing homes with with furnishings for especially single moms and families that need something. Also internationally, just this past six months, we've had people that have gone to Canada, India, Thailand, Rwanda, Mexico, uh, many other places. This, there's so many of them. Linnell's going to take another team to Mexico here in about a week or so. So I'm telling you, your money really makes a difference. So the question as we approach this offering today, does your gift reflect what you believe about the resurrection? Can it be said today that your gift represents you're giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord? So I want to invite you to join us today that we give a gift worthy of what this Easter weekend means. And your gift's not going to be in vain because it's going to extend the kingdom of God. And kind of a, whether you give by check or money in one of our offering envelopes or use the debit machines in the back, we have a new push pay system where you can actually text it. And uh, I guess these young kids, my kids don't have checks anymore. So, you know, whatever it takes to do that. But I want you to remember as you're doing that, When you give, you're not only extending the kingdom of God, getting the message to people, but you're also telling God you trust Him with that other 90%. And you're also, I mean, you're believing that He's going to help you meet all your needs according to your riches and glory. Amen? God bless you as you give.
5: screen
7: our praise today, isn't he? The Lord Jesus Christ. we celebrated him this morning, but could we just take a minute to just thank God for his goodness to us? I take so much for granted in my life. I take for granted there's food in my cabinet. I take for granted I can jump out of bed in the morning. How many know God is a good God? And all good things flow from his hand. Could we just take just a minute and say, thank you, Lord? I'm going to just close your eyes and reach out to heaven and just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being kind to me. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for never turning your back on me. Thank you for not throwing me away. Thank you for giving me hope on life's darkest days. And I just give you the right, Lord, to come and just take my life in a fresh way. Lord, I want to be like a child again, and you're my daddy. A daddy that I can get in your arms, your lap if I need to. I Hold your hand, run and play, enjoy life. You're my heavenly father. I just want to say today that I love you. Come on, say that out loud. I never said that when I was young. Say, Lord, I love you. I love you. And we welcome you today. Lord, as we open the Bible, I pray that its words would live in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Anybody say it? Hey, tell your neighbor, you are glad they're here this morning. Tell them they're looking good, and you may be seated.
8: Hey, neighbor, the Easter story is amazing. Yeah, I especially love the end, Do you want to tell a story? So sure. It goes like this. Jerusalem was a happening place. The holiday was called Passover. Jesus came by donkey transport. Hosanna was the password. All branches were everywhere. People called him king. Days later, nothing was the same. From grand entrance to final meal. From the mat to the garden. For this 37 coins. Jesus was betrayed. And Jesus was arrested. <gasps> and it was, was just... Awful. That happened when the governor interrogated Jesus. The evidence wasn't to the And the whole thing was rigged. Even the crowd turned and shouted, Crucify him. Jesus was stripped. Jesus was whipped. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was tortured. A crown of uh, thorns. They hung him on cross. And it wasn't a pretty sight. To the squad. It is fenced. And be this last. They laid him in the tomb. And they sealed it with a very big rock. The, the tomb, tomb was full. After the Sabbath, the women went to the tomb. Nothing had prepared them for the surprise that waited. The, the tomb, tomb was empty! <laughs> The angel said, to the women, don't be afraid. He's not here. He is risen. Take it all yourself. Now go tell everyone this great news. It's the good news today. That tomb is still empty. And Jesus still lives. And that's the only hope for you and me. In this crazy world that we live in. It's is not, not complicated, complicated, really. We have a Savior. Jesus Messiah. He died for us. When I survived, He was for us. Up from the grave he rose. He lives for us. Because he lives. So we worship him. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Forgive it and redeemed. This is amazing, great. That's what Easter is all about. Go tell everyone this great news. That too, is so empty. Christ <coughs> is risen from <laughs> the dead. Trembling <laughs> over death by death. Come awake, come awake. Come and rise up from the grave.
1: <laughs>
7: I think those kids know Easter's about more than re- eggs and rabbits. I mean, you know, they're celebrating the Lord Jesus. Well, this morning we're going to start a brand new series called Heroes. And we're going to be doing this probably about six weeks. And each week we're going to be sharing a, a, a person in the scripture, someone that can be an example to us, a role model, someone that can show us how to live life as we tackle daily problems. But uh, there's heroes. I mean, everybody's got heroes. I mean, listen, if it's seconds to go in the game, you know, you're in trouble, your team needs to score, you get Peyton Manning on the field, you know, and he scores the touchdown. I mean, if you're uh, the nation of Scotland and, and uh, uh, the oppression of England is upon you, how I many know you need Mel Gibson and Braveheart to arise to rescue you? You know, if you're, if you're looking for a, a role model of compassion, how I many know there's no better than Mother Teresa of Calcutta? When I was a boy, I had heroes as, as a kid. I can remember when I was probably about 10 years of age. How uh, I many most 10-year-olds don't like to get out of bed in, on, on school days? My tummy hurts today. My headache hurts today. Well, I can remember, though, on Saturday mornings at 6 o'clock, my hero Superman came on television. And he was the old Superman, the black and white version, and he would leap over tall buildings with a single bound. And after Superman, Tarzan came on, and he would fly through the jungle, and he would take on animals Thursday night, it was Daniel Boone, and Daniel Boone was the one who conquered the wilderness. Well, guess what? In football season, it was Joe Namath, and Joe could throw the ball, and Brooks Robinson could catch it at third and throw the double play. Now, they were childhood heroes, but when I was 19, I was born again, and I found a new hero. His name is Jesus, and Jesus is my superhero. And I want to dedicate this morning, this weekend, that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ to talking about our superhero. How about that this morning? Let's look in our Bibles. John chapter 21 is where we're going to begin. John's gospel, the last verse of the gospel. It's a very interesting verse. And he says this, Jesus uh, also did many other things. Obviously, the book of John, John was written by Jesus' best friend, John the Beloved, wrote the book of Revelation. He was very close to Christ. And he wrote 21 chapters about what Christ did, what he said. But then he said this. He said, Jesus did many other things. And if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Now, that's an incredible statement. Granted, it's an exaggeration, it's a hyperbola, it's a a picture that Christ did and said so many things, affected so many people's lives that it would be impossible for every library to hold the books. Let me give you some facts that that, that can't be denied. And I really want to encourage you if you're skeptical about the claims of Christianity. You know, when I was young, I'm 58, when I was a boy I can remember that in elementary school the, the, uh, the principal would read from the Bible every morning. I can remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I was in the first grade. It was nap time. And he came on the air and we prayed. Now, as you compare American culture today, 50 years ago, it just seems like it was a better place to live. There was something about America when America upheld uh, the God of the Bible, when America upheld the the morals, the teachings, when, when America that was founded on the principles of the Bible. But we've lost that. And if you're younger than me, you've been raised in a world that is, would, is deliberately causing you to question the claims of Christ. Many would say he was just a good man. He, you know, he was just someone that deceived the people. But think about these things about Christ. Today, there are 2.3 billion followers of Jesus. That's one in three people around the world. They've never met him, but all of them say they know him. Wow. How can that be? The Jesus film, a documentary of his life, was, has been seen by 3 billion people... And here's the biggest one. If I was not a believer a follower of Christ, I would, I would get a good book on Christian apologetics and I would, I would read about the prophecies that were written six, seven hundred years or more before his birth and predicted the details of his life. Predicted that Judas would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Predicted that he would be crucified or hanged on a pole or a cross. And that was before there was even a Roman Empire and crucifixion was even put in place. That captures the intellect. That captures our mind. It makes us deal with it. The Guinness Book of World Records says the Bible, which is the story of Jesus, it is the best-selling book year after year, and there's a reason for that. As Jesus is mentioned on more websites than any other person, some of the biggest charities in the world are inspired by him, and our calendar is divided by his birth, B.C., A.D., before Christ in the year of our Lord. There's something about him. But if that's not enough, I went to the gods of Google. I mean, we just assume Google's right. And I asked Google, I said, well, who is the most important person who ever lived? And the first day I asked that question, it came up and it said they quoted a data-driven article by Time magazine, and guess who they said was the most important person in world history? You know it, come on, say it out loud. Jesus Christ. Now. Have you ever heard of a man named Blaise Pascal? Perhaps you've heard or forgotten about him, but he was, lived in the 1600s. He was a Frenchman. He was a brainy smurf of his day. He was a physicist. He was a philosopher. He was, he was on the cutting edge of intellectual knowledge. And here's what he said. He said, all humans bet with their lives that God exists or does not exist. Wow. Every person is making a calculated wager with their eternal soul." Based on whether I believe there is a God, does He exist? And listen, is Jesus that God in flesh? And did Jesus do what He said He would do? But Blaise Pascal said, A rational person should seek to believe in God because of the possibility of eternity in heaven or in hell. Wow. So I appeal to your, 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 the intellect in terms of your, your challenges, your questions about Christianity, but I want to focus the rest of my message on the Bible. I want to focus on what I'm going to consider or call the three most important things. The most important thing that Jesus did. The most important thing He said. And thirdly, the most important promise He made to you and I. Let's start with Mark 8 uh, 8, verse 29. The most important thing Jesus did, and I suggest to you, it is that He was crucified and that He rose from the dead. Now we've probably said that 20 times in service today. But what does that mean? Let's explore it. Jesus is asking his followers, he's got a dozen or so disciples around him, and he said, Well, who do you say I am? And Peter, who would become Simon Peter, he said, You are the Messiah. Messiah means the Christ, that still doesn't mean much, but to collectively, they mean the Savior of the world. Now, when the Bible says Jesus is our Savior, it implies that we're in trouble. How many know if you've ever been drowning? One of my kids was drowning in a pool one time, and Mom, uh, clothes and everything, jumped right in and got him out of the water. They were drowning. They needed a Savior. But the Bible says it's not a select few that He died for. He died for everyone. Jesus died for the best among us, and He died for the worst among us. He died for every person that's serving life in the penitentiary. He died for the, 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 the most innocent child. Jesus died because all of us have been stained by something that doesn't wash off with soap. It's the stain of sin. Jesus began to teach them that he, a name for him was the Son of Man because he was born of Mary. He said he's got to suffer. Now, he's talking about his life. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected and that he must be, say it with me, killed killed, and after three days days, Rise rise again. I've been to a lot of funerals. I've been in Christian ministry 35 years. The guest of honor we always left behind. Now history says that this prediction came true. We forget sometimes that the Bible is not just a book of religion; it's not just a spiritual book, but it's the best historical, uh, uh, the best historical record that we have of the period of time that it covers. Archaeology continue, conf- continually confirms the Bible. Uh, But history says the prediction came true. But again, why is it so important? My friend, it's important because Jesus came to life after he died. Now, they may resurrect someone in the hospital. they may come back to life. But when Jesus came back to life, he never died again. The guy that's resuscitated in the hospital, he or she's still going to die again. But Jesus is the only person in human history that has died and that has come back to life and stayed alive and listen to what Jesus said. Jesus, uh, over 500 people at one time saw him. And the promise that Jesus made surrounding this was that we could have eternal life if we would believe in him and if we would follow him. Now, I want to go deeper in this about his death. Why was his death on the cross so important? 1 Peter chapter 2, a New Testament passage, it says, Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross. A sin is simply all the wrong that I've done. So somehow when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, it's as if my sins were transferred to him if i let them be. The potential was made that he could take the wrong that I've done and take it off my shoulders. And like you, I've done wrong in life. You may look at me and, you know, well, he's a preacher. At times of my life, I've lied. It's been a long time, but I've lied. I've stolen I've been immoral. I've taken advantage of people. I have hurt people on purpose. I used to play ball. I thought it was cool if you slide into someone and try to get their knee. Isn't that a terrible thing? Hurt people, taken advantage of people. I've abused my body with drugs and alcohol. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And I'm telling you, you can't be good enough to get to heaven. But the Scripture says Christ took our sins on His body. It's, it, sin is like a crime. It's like a felony. Uh, how many know some crimes you can get away with and there's no payment? I, I was teasing a friend the other day. He told me something he did in his younger days. And I said, hey, I'm calling that 800 number. I'm going to turn you into the game and fish. And he said, oh, statute of limitations already passed. But guess what? If you commit murder, that will stay with you the rest of your life. That's the way that sin is. Scripture says in Romans 6, the payment for sin is, is death. It is a separation from God. Uh, 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 sin is why people will go to hell on Judgment Day. And the worst news of all is all of us are guilty. The Bible says in Psalm 51, I was born a sinner. Yet the moment my mother conceived me and had me know as a, as a sinner I need forgiveness. Let me relate it this way. Let's say you, you build your dream house. I mean, it is perfect. Uh, I don't, it, maybe it's on the ocean. It's in the woods. Uh, in my dream house on one side would have, would have uh, turkey hunting, and the other side would have duck hunting, and the back would have a garden. But it's, it's a perfect house. And I, you probably had to borrow money for this perfect house. But lo and behold, you didn't know that you would lose your job and your spouse would get disabled and you can't work. And the very company that thanked you for doing business with them now tells you they're about to take your house. You see, you've committed the crime of not paying for your mortgage, and the penalty is going to be you're going to lose your house. And if you could imagine, like in the old days, the sheriff would come and he'd present the papers, and the sheriff would have the power to be able to kick you out of your house as a punishment for not paying. Imagine if the sheriff went to the door and you had to come to the door. You knew it was him. The siren went off. But lo and behold, the sheriff is standing there telling you, serving you with papers, telling you, you have to get out because of what you have done wrong. And Jesus Christ walks up. And Jesus said, how much does he owe? And the sheriff says, $89,362.19. And Jesus said, you want cash, check, or we take credit card for air miles. And Jesus writes a check. Come on now. He gives it to the sheriff, and the sheriff looks at me and says, somebody just paid a debt that you owed. Because you couldn't afford to pay it, they just did it for you. Are you going to accept that payment? Well, yes, I am, Cher. Well, then you can stay in your house because somebody else has paid it in full. That is exactly what Jesus did for us. Because one day the debt we'll have to pay is on judgment day as we stand before God. Jesus made this statement. Jesus said in John 14:6, I am the way and the truth. And the life, say it with me, the only way to the Father is through me. You say, well, that's exclusive, isn't it? I mean, all religions have a way to God. You take Islam, they've got the five pillars of faith that they practice. They make a journey to Mecca once in their life. They pray multiple times a day. They're supposed to help the poor and the needy. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do, but it's, it's based on works. Most religions are man's attempt to get to God, Christianity is responding to God's getting to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death, he is, he is different because he dealt with sin in a way that was acceptable to God. You cannot do enough religious ritual or be a good enough person. How many know a sinner needs a Savior? We need forgiveness, and that's what Jesus came to do. You see... Sin, whether you're good and a sinner, or whether you're bad and sinning, how many know sin is like drowning in the water? Sooner or later, you're going to go under, and what you need is not somebody to throw you a big rock. If you're drowning, you need what? A life preserver. You need. Remember the movie Titanic? You remember Jack and Rose? You know? You remember when it's time to jump off the ship? There's no lifeboats, and there's one life jacket. And guess what? How many know if you're Rose, you need a Jack to give you that life jacket? And then they're in the water, and they're freezing, and there's a piece of wood coming by, but it won't hold both of them. So Jack makes rose. Come on, he lets her get on the wood. He gives his life for hers. He dies, and she lives in the story. That's what we need, and that's what Jesus did. Come on, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life the Bible says in John 15, there's no greater love than we could have uh, than to lay down your life for your friends. What does the resurrection mean to us? I'll tell you, my friend, the resurrection means this we can live after we die. You may not think about it much as you, if you're younger, but my friends, one day it's coming. And the older you get, the more you tend to think about it. It is coming, but Jesus promised this. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, but Christ has truly been raised from the dead, the first one. What does that mean? That means that cemeteries are going to open up one day. That means that believers that have died in Christ are coming back to life. Their bodies are coming back to life. He's the proof that those who sleep in death will be raised In Adam, Adam and Eve, all of us die. That's where sin came into the world. That's where the bad things came into the world. But notice it says, in the same way, in Christ, all of us will be made alive again. And that's why when I go to a funeral... Uh, 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 of a Christian that's been buried, and the family is gathered around. We're properly weeping and sad, but when we leave, we don't say goodbye. We look behind with tears and say, I'll see you later because you're coming out of that grave. Come on, give him a big hand today. It's a promise you can't live without. Let me give you two more things, and we'll close at 1215. The most important thing Jesus said. The first was the most important he did, Now the most important, he said, and listen to this. It's kind of a summary statement. But Jesus said, I want to make your life better. Now hear this one. I want to make your life better. Here's what Jesus said in John 10. 10. Jesus said, I came so that they might have life and have it Abundantly. abundantly. The Message Bible says that you might have real life, eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. That's why Jesus came. Now, that's not uh, uh, implying that everybody gets a brand-new truck or a brand-new, you know, uh, jet plane or anything like that. I mean, we don't live in a problem-free world. But I want to tell you, life is better with Jesus. Jesus said, listen, who else can tell you I'll never leave you, I'll always be with you? Jesus Christ can. You go in that surgery center and you leave your wife outside. Come on, it's just you alone on that table and people that do this every day for a living. But I'm telling you from experience, friend, you can draw closer to God because God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus promised us he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. He promised he'd take care of us. If you've just lost your job, if you've just gone bankrupt, when you collect yourself, you can look to heaven and you can say, thank you, Lord, that you said if I'd seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness that you'd take care of me. What I want to tell you in this little section of the message is Christianity is not just for the sweet by and by. It's not just, hey, quick, let me get to God before I die. Christianity tells us that your life will be better today because of Christ. I'm telling you... You can have peace in this life no matter what storm you're going through. You say, well, how do you know that? I lived this in a profound way. Three years ago when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, she's here today. She's doing great, cancer-free. Now listen, first 10 days of that experience, our life was a turmoil. It was a mess. I mean, no, everything stops. Vacation plans stop. Uh, School, going to get her master's degree, stops. Going to write a book, stops. Everything stops when death stares you in the face. And we didn't know what we were going to do, but one day I was doing what I do every day of my life. I was reading my Bible, not for a sermon, but just because I wanted to be with God and learn from God. And I read an obscure passage that had nothing to do with sickness, but it said, all is well. And it was like these words leapt off the page. And it's like this darkness cloud that surrounded me gave way to the sunshine that was shining. Come on. It's like, it's like the trouble that I knew was still out there. There was like a cocoon that had surrounded me. I'm telling you, it's real. I'm telling you, it works for old guys, but it works for young people. My daughter was 13 when mom was diagnosed with cancer. And my daughter had to go through what I pray no one of you ever has to go through. But how am I going to live without a mom? It's one thing if you're 40 and mom dies. It's another thing if you're a little girl knowing that daddy can't cook very good. Come on, somebody say, I understand what you're talking about. Daddy may be a softie and have a couple bucks, but daddy can't cook that good. So I need my mom. And the way she dealt with it was denial. If I can just get away from it, if I can separate myself from those facts. So at school, I don't want anybody to ask me. I don't want anyone to talk to me and ask me how my mom's doing because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. But finally, the pressure becomes so great you can't stand it. A 13-year-old in your room asking, what in the world is going on? And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God tells her, open your Bible. And she began to open her Bible. All of a sudden, she said, I began to cry because I began to realize, God's not mad at my mom. God's not doing this to my mom. God is a good God. And God will help us. And God will strengthen us. I want to tell you, friends, God is a good God. And God is real. And I don't know how you face your problems in life, but I'm telling you what, Jesus can be a hero to you. I have watched God do it countless times. I've watched people that grapple with suicide, that feel hopeless and no way out. But when they open themselves to Christ, the light of God gives them hope. I have watched marriages that were going down, 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 down. But when two people repented or at least one and turned their hearts back to God, light came into a dark world. Uh, Forgiveness began to flow. Love began to be manifest once again. I've seen people, listen, I've seen people addicted to drugs, a secret life of alcohol. Uh, Nobody uh, really knew what was going on and the depth of it, but they were destroying their life, becoming anorexic, losing everything, losing their family. But all of a sudden, listen, they found Jesus. And I'm telling you, Jesus did more than the treatment center can ever do. Look, I'm for treatment centers. Listen, anything to get some help, but I'm telling you this person had been through multiple treatment centers. It had not helped her, but when she surrendered her life to Christ, come on, she is a walking miracle today, and I'm telling you, life is better with Jesus Christ. Here's the third thing I want to tell you. I want to tell you not only the most important thing that Jesus Did and said, I want to tell you his most important promise. John 3.16, and here's the promise. It's a very simple one. And if you've turned out for whatever reason, I want to encourage you to turn me back in for just a few moments. Because I suggest this is the most profound word you'll ever hear. And it's not because of what I'm saying or who I am. It's because of the one who said it. Here's what Jesus said. Those who believe in me will have eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 1, here's the scene. There's a man of the Pharisees. His name's Nicodemus. This man is pretty upscale in terms of a leader in the Jewish religion. He's no beginner. This man has been to church all of his life. He knew everything about religion, but he was lost. He came to Jesus by night, and he said, Rabbi, our teacher, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs, these miracles that you do, unless God is with him. That's a profound recognition that there's something different about this man. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've been to church before, but you're not really a believer. You're not really a follower of Christ. But who can deny the fact there's something different about this man? That's what Nicodemus knew. And Jesus said the most amazing thing. He said this. He said, unless one is born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is that sphere which Christ is the ruler, whether it's an earthly kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. It's an all-encompassing term, life on earth, life in eternity. But unless you're born again... So what Jesus was saying is you need a spiritual rebirth. Being religious, going to church, doing religious things, they're good, but that's not enough. It won't get you to heaven. Giving money, helping people, good things, but they won't get you to heaven. This spiritual rebirth is when God changes us on the inside, when we believe in Him and follow Him. Now, here's where I think uh, uh, the American church has gotten lost on this word believe. Believe means to trust and to rely on Jesus for salvation. Now, this, let me give you an example. There's a picture I want to show you here. Uh, Where are we? Picture, picture, yeah, okay. This is a zip line. It's in red water. You know, that's out where I live there, and it's just, you know, not really okay. I just lied again. It's not in red water. I don't know where it is, but anyway, this guy is high up in the air. How many have zip line? Let me see your hand. Oh, yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Now, this one is similar to what uh, Linnell and I, about 10 years ago, we were in Alaska. And we were younger. We were more adventurous. And so we decided we're going zip lining through the mountains. I don't know what they were. They were, you know, trees a couple hundred feet tall. Well, it didn't mean much at the time, but it said you're going to be 400 feet off the ground. Ziplining through these, like, massive kind of redwood-type trees. Now, I want you to imagine that this is Linnell. All right? <laughs> now, now. This is before we let go of her. She's kind of hanging on the edge, ready to launch out, and she's looking up wondering, that guy that's making eight bucks an hour, he's the one that's checking that cable, and he probably is drinking beer between, you know, people that ride. I wonder if that pulley is going to hold me. I wonder if I can believe that I'm going to be safe. I wonder if I get off the platform if I'm going to fall to the ground or if I'm going to make it. I wonder if this second harness will hold me. Now, my wife is from California. I was pretty excited. It was about six of us, and we were kind of in a group. And if you can imagine, it's this huge valley, and what we did is we walked uh, by almost like a little suspension bridge to the top of this first tree, and there's a platform built around the tree. So now you're 200 feet off the ground, and at the bottom of the valley is another couple hundred feet. You're up in the air... And I noticed my wife getting closer to the tree. Now, mind you, the God had told us this is safe. We've never had an accident. Uh, The harnesses are regularly checked. Uh, You know, It's got a braking mechanism on it. You've got a backup cord. But she's constantly saying, I don't know if I believe that or not. Because here's the truth. Believing demands action. You see, and when you're holding on to the tree, you may say, yeah, I believe that that'll hold me. I believe it'll hold me up, but it's also 400 feet down to the bottom, and I just don't know. And I think this is where many people that have said they believe in Christ are because they went ziplining, but they've never got off the platform to follow Christ. And it's not just because we're afraid we're going to fall, but there's something back in our old life that we want to hold on to. I'm going to tell you, you can't hold on to the tree and hold on to Christ because Christ wants to take you somewhere. You have to be willing to let go of your past. You have to be willing to let go of the sin that's so enjoyable in life and whatever the case may be and begin to follow him because, my friend, in the New Testament, believing was synonymous with following. Now, I was raised in church probably like many of you. I'm grateful for it, a little country Methodist church. I went to church, but how many know going to church doesn't make you a Christian? I had it in my head, but I never got it in my heart. And I'd like to take this last moment in this message this morning and offer a prayer for you. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I'd like to put my trust in Christ for salvation. I today want to become a believer. I want to begin to follow Christ as my Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're here today and, and, and you'll say, You know, I, I know it up here, but I've never let go of the tree. I'm not living the life. But here on Easter Sunday, I'm ready to commit my life afresh to follow Christ. See, we've heard some amazing things this morning. We've heard that the most important thing that Jesus did was He died on a cross. Stay with me now. He died on a cross for you, and He died on a cross for me because He loves us. The second thing we learned this morning, what Jesus said, is your life will be better if you follow Christ. Not just your eternal soul, but right here and right now. Life will be better if you follow Christ. We also learn the most important promise. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I want if you're here today, say, Pastor, I want to become... A believer today. I'm ready to let go of that tree. I hadn't been following Christ. My life with God is not where it needs to be, but I'm ready to make a step for Christ today, and I want you to pray for me. If that's you this morning, just slip up your hand real quickly with all boldness, and we'll pray for you today. Say, Pray for me, Pastor. God bless you, friend over here, and, and, God, bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you too. God bless you, and God bless you. Come on. God bless you. Making a step to Christ. You're not joining the church. I'm simply giving you a chance to stand for Jesus today. God bless you too, dear. Someone else say, pray for me. I'm making a step to Christ today. I want to believe in Jesus today. I'm going to give him my life. Someone else say, pray for me this morning. God bless you too, dear. God bless you too. You say, well, what are we doing right now? We're giving people that are holding on to the tree a chance to let go and take the greatest ride of their life with Jesus Christ. Somebody else say pray for me. I, I want to get in on this. I want to get in on your prayer. God bless you too, pal. God bless you too. And God bless you too, buddy. Somebody else. I'm not following God. I'm not where I need to be, but I want to get there. Let's do this. I want you to stand to your feet. And all of you that lifted your hand, I want to encourage you, just step out of your chair and come up here and let us pray with you right now. Come on, give them a big hand. All those that lifted their hand, come on up here right now. Bring someone with you if you want to. I'm making a step to Christ today, Pastor. Come on. You that lifted your hand, come on up. Let us pray for you. Whether you lifted it or not, you're wanting to make a commitment of your life to Christ. Come on up a little closer here. We're going to pray for you this morning. You say, I'm going to give you my last scripture because here's what I know right now. I've been where you are. I've been someone that felt in my heart that I want to go down to that altar. But I also had in my heart something pulling me back. Well, my friend, what is it that's pulling you forwards? That's the Holy Spirit. That's God encouraging you to make the step to believe in Christ. Can I tell you, it's the devil himself that would like to keep you away. Jesus loves you, friend. He loves you, but you've got to make a step for him. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you. But if you confess me before men, that's what we're doing right now. You're not joining this church. You're welcome to come. But you're making a step to Christ. I don't want a thing from you. There's others in the audience today. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to make that commitment to Christ. Come on, raise your hand right now. Let me see who you are. I want to pray for you today. I know that you're here today. Say, pray for me. God bless you, pal. God bless you. Someone else lifted their hand? Come on up here right now. Give him a big hand. We're waiting for you. Somebody else. Say, come pray for me right now. Anyone else today? Say, pray for us. Pray for us. Let's all do this together. Can I say this to you? What you're doing right now is the greatest step you've ever made in your life. I was 19 years old. I'd been to church in my life. But you know what? Something was missing. I was going to college. I was on a scholarship. I had a new car. You know, I was a guy that always had beer in the trunk. I mean, you know, I had a lot of friends. But it, it didn't make me happy. I, 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 when I was by myself and alone, I realized something's missing. And I didn't have a relationship with God. And a Gideon, I met a Gideon when I joined the Navy, and that Gideon told me, he said, if you would receive Christ as your Savior, if you'd give Jesus a chance, if you'd begin to follow Him, if you'd begin to read your Bible and pray and genuinely ask God to change your life, He'd give you the kind of life that you're searching for. And can I tell you, that was on August fifteenth, 1976. And, it, and I'm telling you, it's real and it works. And it's my honor to be praying for you right now. Let's all bow our heads and I want everyone in the room just to say this prayer out loud. Could you say this? Do you say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I acknowledge today that I've sinned before God. And I ask you to forgive me. Wash my sins away. Take my shame. Take my guilt and give me a brand new heart. Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Make me brand new and give me the life that you want me to have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give him a big hand. We're really, really, really proud of you right now. It's not the prayer. It's not the words. It's the attitude of your heart. And if you made this step to Christ, I promise you, Jesus will do for you what he's done for hundreds of people that have been here this weekend. Pastor Mike, we want to give you something that's going to help you because, listen, this is a start to Christianity. It's not an end. We want to give you a book that will kind of teach you some steps about reading the Bible, about prayer, and, and other things about living the Christian life. So if you'll just go with Pastor Mike right now, just go ahead and follow him. won't take but just a second. Come on, give him one last big hand. And Pastor's our associate pastor here. Hey, this was a great day today, wasn't it? Listen, the way we're going to close our service, we're going to close with a song. But before you check out, I mean, I sure hope that you'll come Wednesday night to our family service, get a free burger and all. But, but look at me just one second before you go. Just one second. Stay with me just a second. As they, in just a minute, before they sing this song, I'm going to ask you to do something. Because I have this suspicion that there's still probably three or four people here that are like me, believe it or not, and shy. Or maybe you're skeptical and saying, what do they want from me? Well, I don't want a thing from you. But whatever the case is, you know you want to give your heart to Christ. And can I tell you, it would be so much easier in the church house than when you get back to your house. Because you'll get distracted by everything under the sun. Now is your moment. So I'm going to ask people all over the sanctuary to do this. We're going to close with prayer. There'll be some people that are up here and that'll pray, pray for anything at the end that troubles you. You may want to just talk to someone before you go home, but they'll pray with you up here. But I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to turn to two or three people and ask them this simple question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Now, there's nothing more important. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And, and if they can't give you a yes, then ask them this question. Could I go down with you and let somebody pray with you? How about that? I believe the eternal destiny of several people are on the line right now. So our prayer team's coming forward. I want you to just do that right now. As they start their last song, ask two or three people around you. Are you 100% sure if you died today you'd go to heaven? And ask them if you can come down and pray with them. God bless you. Go ahead and ask two or three people right now. I love you, and I'm glad you're here, and we'll see you next week.
4: They'd be happy to pray with you about anything. If you're a first-time guest, make sure to stop by the uh, Connect room, and they'd love to meet you and talk with you, and they have a free gift for you.